So we're beginning a brand new series here at the start of 2024. This series is called Past, Present, Future. And looking at those elements, past, present, future, our creative team decided to have a little fun. So uh, this is a picture of me from my past. Aww. <laughs> He's adorable. Um, this is a picture of me in the present. And you know what's coming next. And this is a picture of me in the future. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Turn it off. Wow, that is like... So those photos are just snapshots in time. But this is what we know, right? Wrapped around those moments of past, present, and future is this thing called life. And we're going to talk about your past, your present, your future. We're going to look at exactly those components, and we're going to ask some, some deep questions. How do you deal with your past and not get stuck there? How do you become completely present in the sacredness of this current moment and not be so distracted by the things around you? How do you face your future without fear, but instead face it with dreams and hope and, and faith and ultimately drawing from last week? Will you say yes to God in resetting your perspective on your past, your present, and your future? We're going to anchor this series in a powerful verse. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As I mentioned already, people say the only thing that's constant in your life is change. It seems so true. My life is not, it, it, is not constant, but Jesus is my constant. Life is changing every moment as we live out our past, present, and future. But for those who know Jesus, we have an anchor, a steadfast rock that holds us firm while the world shifts and falls apart around us. And He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, our constant, consistent God. I want to begin today with another question. Don't you wish life came with a reset button? Have you ever said something and the second it came out of your mouth, you'd love to reset and be able to take that back? It's like, say it, no, grab, it doesn't work that way. Have you ever done something you regretted and you would give anything to be able to go back and do it over again? Have you ever made a decision that in hindsight, it was just wrong? And you long to be able to go back and reset the whole moment and maybe change the consequences that came out of that wrong decision? Have you ever wished that you could reset a perspective that you held earlier in your life, but now you know that wasn't right, it wasn't true, and you just wish you could reset and do it over again? I don't know if you wish life came with a reset button, but I certainly do. I have so many moments, words, actions, and thoughts that I wish I could reframe, refresh, or reset. And this week, I want to introduce you to a church in Scripture that Jesus actually offered a plan to reset their walk with him. We find this church in the book of Revelation. And speaking of this particular book, this summer I'm going to honor the request of many of you, and we are going to preach through the book of Revelation again. We did it once before, about seven or eight years ago. We're going to take another swipe at it from a completely different perspective. Get ready and start praying now, okay? But in the book of Revelation, Jesus is talking to a church that happens to be in a city called Ephesus. Here's some map orientation so you know what I'm talking about. Ephesus was the most important city in the Roman province of Asia, located in what we now know as modern Turkey. 
Ephesus was a port city that was known for its liberal views and lax morality. Does that sound like a port city anybody in the Pacific Northwest would be familiar with? Just asking. <laughs> Ephesus was the home of the temple of Artemis. The Romans called her Diana. Occultism was a major force that pressed against the early church, and it came from the temple of Artemis. In Ephesus, the primary pagan religion was the worship of Diana. And it was a very broken, broken ideology. Temple prostitution was commonplace. It was even encouraged. Followers of Jesus were persecuted fiercely by adherents of these pagan religions, and their faith cost them dearly. It was really difficult for believers to live separately from all of these activities of paganism because paganism and its subsidiary religions, they were the center of life in this city. So slipping in and out of these different kinds of ideologies it would have been very easy for young or weak Christian believers to do so because most of their families and friends were, were walking far, far, far away from God. Every day, this church was confronted with an opportunity to compromise. To them and to us, this is what Jesus said. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Hold that picture in your brain, seven stars. And walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider, remember how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who's victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let me give you a little history the ruling monarch in this time was a man named Domitian. Domitian was ruling the Roman Empire. He declared himself to be a little g-god, and he was to be worshipped. When followers of Jesus didn't worship him, he killed them by the thousands. Domitian commissioned coins of himself to be circulated. Here's a picture of one of those coins, and I want you to pay attention to one thing. Count the number of stars around this little tiny man who's sitting on the globe. There are seven. That is a powerful statement when Jesus says, I hold the seven stars in my right hand. My translation, Jesus is clearly declaring, Domitian is a pawn, and one day this little self-proclaimed king is going to be held accountable by the one true king, because his little kingdom doesn't mean anything in the face of the kingdom of Almighty God. Can somebody say amen? And Jesus says, okay. I'm going to start with some corrective language here to, to this church, to some reset language. He's talking to a king who thinks he's all that. He's talking to a church that, that has lost its way. And as all good parents do, Jesus begins with good news. Right? You've got to accentuate the positive. All right? He begins with these words of commendation. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. 
I know you cannot tolerate wicked people that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Church, can I commend you? I know your hard work too. I see it all the time. Your care for Whatcom County, your generosity, your perseverance. I've seen you stick with the mission of Jesus through leadership changes, world shifts, building programs, pandemics, and culture wars. I've seen you show up in this community time after time after time. And I know this. There were so many moments where you could have just said, you know what, this is just too hard. I'm going to walk away. But you didn't. Because your eyes were not on a fallible man with a microphone strapped to his head. Your eyes were on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who rules and reigns in his kingdom, the Lord over all of the churches, our great pastor and shepherd, Jesus Christ. I commend you as a church for standing strong. I had an interaction with somebody. They, they, they asked me the normal question, right? What do you do for a living? I said, well, actually, I'm, I'm a pastor at Christ the King Community Church. And they said, oh, mm. <laughs> Don't really like churches. I'm like, no, yeah, I get it. He goes, I don't like your church, but I really like your farm. Because we try to feed people, right? Just to the best of our ability. That's really good news, words of commendation, right? We like that moment, right? Some of you are like, can't we just stay right there? Like, can't we just call church good right now? Pastor Grant said, awesome. We're all like, awesome. We're great. No, we can't. But I want you to remember, Jesus is going to offer us a reset. Verse number four, yet I hold this against you. You got all this good stuff going on. It's good. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. This was the problem in this church. They were working hard and they were sticking with the mission, but then they started leaving Jesus out of the mission. Jesus used to rule in their hearts Sunday to Sunday, but now it was just Sunday for about an hour. The church started having an affair with the world. They started living for Jesus, and that became a side hustle instead of the primary focus in their life. And this original love that burned so brightly, it started to fade, and it was replaced by distractions and idols and compromise. This is so profound and it's impactful for me. This church starts to walk away from the God who saved them, but Jesus pursues them, calls them back and offers them a plan to reset their love for him. And this is what he tells them to do. And this is what he's telling all of us to do if our love has grown cold. This is God's reset. Verse number five, consider how far you've fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. So here's what God is calling because you need to remember you need to consider how far you've fallen. So this is for all of us, right? When we recognize we have forsaken our first love, just stop. Remember, have a moment of clarity. Recognize something. Falling away from Jesus rarely happens in a millisecond. It's usually a slow, calculated drift where other little G gods come in and steal our attention and our passion and our focus. And Jesus is saying, I need your focus back. I need to be on the throne of your life. I need you to remember. This drift can happen in all kinds of relationships. In year number one of marriage, if your spouse gets sick, it sounds like this. Whoa, babe, did I hear a sniffle? 
did you, did, did you just sniffle or cough? I call 911. The ambulance will be right here. I know you don't like hospital food, so I'll be cooking all of your meals from scratch and delivering them to your bedside. Whatever you need, that's what we're going to do. In year number two, it sounds like this. Sweetheart, I don't like the sound of that cough. I called the doctor. You may want to go and see him. Let me tuck you into bed. Year number three sounds like this. Hey, you don't look so good. Why don't you drive yourself down to the walk-in clinic and pick up a pizza on the way home? In year number four, it's like, babe, I know you're not feeling good, but there's a lot to do around here, so could you, like, take a Tylenol and, and, and just push through? And in year number five, it's more like, really? I can't hear the TV when you're coughing up a lung. Can you go in the other room? I don't want to get sick, right? Do you see the drift? There's some elbows flying in this room right now. It's a, it's a gradual slide. Why? Because that first passion and tenderness is gone. And it will drift completely the wrong way unless you remember why you got married in the first place. And you keep that original love alive. So what does that look like for us in our relationship with God? It means when we're considering, God, has my love grown cold? I've got to start asking questions. How did I get here? Who moved? And if you think God moved, I want to remind you of something. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't move. Asking question, did you get discouraged because God didn't answer a prayer? Did you get disappointed because another follower of Jesus let you down? Did you get disillusioned because it appears God's not in control? Just stop for a moment and reflect. Consider, remember how far you've fallen. And then where there's a need repent let's make sure we understand this confession is when you say it out loud you own what you did but there's another step why is there another step because words without action can be cheap right and we have to learn how to go deeper than i'm sorry god because what we're really normally saying is i'm sorry i got caught instead of no God, I sinned against you by judging my brother. I sinned by doing nothing when I should have done something. I, I sinned when I chose my way again, but God, I want to make it right. It's those honest moments when we say, God, God, I stopped caring. I drifted. I thought I could do it on my own. I did it my way, and Jesus, I want to admit I was wrong. I confess. And then in repentance, with godly sorrow for the hurting the heart of Jesus who died to cover that sin, I confess and then I repent. This is where my words become action and I choose to walk away from the sin. I turn my back from the sin and I turn towards God in full ownership and with a deep love for the grace. And if you have experienced this before, you know this to be true. That's where he meets you every single time. God, I confess I got it wrong. And now I repent and I turn away from what I got wrong and I turn towards you and I am so grateful. I am so grateful that you are here. Jesus says repent and then he says return. The rest of the phrase is do the things you did at first. Can you remember life as a new follower of Jesus? Like when that first touched your heart. I mean, the passion, the fearlessness, this boldness, this joy. Well, at the beginning of this year, you may need to return back to the joy of your salvation and recapture it. 
It's really practical. God's saying, return to the days when, when you couldn't wait to get into the Word. Go back to those early moments when, when worship was flowing out of you. Go back to your baptism, that, that moment when you connected with God in complete and total abandon, that first time when you actually heard God speak. Go back and return to those things that you did again at first. Some of you are like, Grant, I, never been, I haven't experienced that. Then your first love encounter with Jesus should start today right now before I read the next words I want to remind you of something these words are coming from a loving God who wants us to be obedient to do his commands so that we don't have to live with the consequences of sin this is what he says next it's actually a warning if you do not repent I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place Okay, there's something here we need to realize. That's the next R if you're following along. If I don't repent, there's consequences. Without repentance, my light goes away. When we go on our own power, the light of God becomes more and more faint because it's His power that, now, that allows that light of the world to actually shine. We have a moment in our Christmas Eve services if you were here, right? We, we light candles and we sing Silent Night and it's beautiful and it's warm and it's inviting and, and some people cry because it just touches this need in the depth of their heart and then I do the same thing every single year. This is what I say to you. Without lighting the person in front of you on fire, I want you to take your candle and hold it as low as you can and this room goes almost completely dark because the light is diminished. It's being hidden. And then I say, okay, everybody, all together, lift the light. And the light just lifts in the room and you see everybody just kind of go with it. The Bible says that we are the light of the world. And when we repent, when we return, when we realize that there's actually consequences for not allowing our light to shine, it should drive us with a passion back out into our community that so desperately needs our light to become their light. And Jesus makes a turn. He started with some beautiful, positive things to say, then he gives some corrective language. And then he moves back to the positive again. This is just good parenting, right? It's tough, wrapped in truth and love, all right? And this is what he says. He goes, there's also a time to reject. Now, as soon as we hear the word reject, we think negative. This text is actually talking about rejection in a positive light. He says, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And I know those are strong words. So that gets my attention. And I go, apparently God's pretty serious about this. Some of you are reading that and go, okay, you, you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans. What are the practices of the Nicolaitans? Let me tell you. The practices of the Nicolaitans was a doctrine that had infiltrated this church. And it was a doctrine of compromise, seduction, and sinful integration. According to the writings of the early church leaders, there was a guy named Nicholas, and he taught a doctrine of compromise. Here's what he said. He said, oh, you can pick and choose whatever you want to. 
You can live in Ephesus and call yourself a Christian. It's cool. And you can go to the temple and do whatever you want to with the Diana stuff, and, and you can compromise over here, and you can do this. It's totally fine. And some of us go, that's horrible. Like, who in the world would do that? Have you looked around at how people define the word spiritual these days? I'm going to take a little bit of this belief system and a little bit of belief system, and I really like this one because it doesn't make me uncomfortable whatsoever. And this one over here is good because I actually like the sin that's kind of attached to this one. And, and I take a little bit of this and I take a little bit of that, and I go, I turn it into a, a spiritual buffet, and I take a, a spoonful of this and a spoonful of that, and I put it together on the plate, and I go, oh, that looks really, really good. And I completely forget that Jesus said, there is no other name under heaven by which you can be saved. And I completely ignore the fact that Jesus said, there's one door and one gate and one road that leads to heaven. If you're following Jesus, there's no buffet involved. There's one way. And that's the way that saves your soul. So it seems apparent that Nicholas of Antioch was involved in occultism and a little bit of Judaism and some Christianity and he stirred it all together and he said, let's just call it good. So here's what we need to know. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans that Jesus says he hates, and I know that's a strong word, it was a doctrine of compromise. Aren't we all tempted at times to compromise? Jesus calls us here and like, oh, that's just a little too hard. There's just a really deep cost to that. I just don't want to do that. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of my friends. So I'm just going to say nothing. I'm going to be completely quiet. I'm going to, I'm going to sit under the doctrine of silence and hope everybody else figures it out. Jesus says, reject compromise. Now, before you can reject compromise, you've got to know the truth. So the world will call all of us to compromise and the way we say no to the world's standards and yes to God's standards is by understanding, some of you will have heard this last week, God's law, God's principles, God's wisdom, and God's will. And then we pray the name of God over top of all of that and we make really, really good decisions that honor Jesus. They may not be easy, but they honor Jesus. Remember how it used to be. Repent and turn away from sin back towards God. Return to the godly passion with which you once lived. Realize there's consequences for not coming home. Reject compromise and stand strong. And you put all that together and you know what it is? It's a spiritual reset. Right here at the beginning of 2024. I love how the passage wraps up. Whoever has ears... Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. This is an interesting side note. In the center of Ephesus, in the center of the temple of Diana slash Artemis, where there was all kinds of stuff happening that did not honor God whatsoever, in the center of that temple was a tree. And this was the rule in Ephesus. If you committed a crime, no matter what it was, if you could get to the tree, there were no consequences and no prosecution. 
It was kind of a get-out-of-consequences-free tree. And some people would go, hmm, that actually sounds okay. Do you know what happened in Ephesus? The same thing that's happening in our culture. It just became more and more lawless because people were like, there are no consequences. The only thing I've got to be able to do is beat you to the tree. Do you know where that pagan temple got that idea from? See, Satan offers counterfeits all the time. But Jesus gives us life. You see, God has trees too. One of God's trees is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know the difference between right and wrong. Jesus calls us to choose right. There's a tree at the end of the book that's in the center of God's city of which all of his kingdom is built around because it's that tree of life from which we derive our life. And in the center of your Bible, in the most meaningful place, there's a tree, all right. That tree. The cross of Jesus where repentant sinners can come not just to get out of consequences but to find hope. I love the last little phrase, which is in the paradise of God. My friend, paradise is not life without consequences. Paradise is life with Jesus, who perfectly puts grace, truth, and justice together all the time. So what's, what is this a call for us to do? It's to renew it's your last star. It's to hear what God is saying and respond. To renew. Romans 12. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Number one question I get asked as a pastor is, Grant, I just don't know what the word, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. If you want to figure out what the will of God is, you start with renewing your mind. You renew your mind, you hit a reset. You take every thought captive. When Satan puts thoughts in your mind, you take them captive and you tell the devil, you're not allowed in my brain. You can't come into my mind. You can't come into my heart. You have no authority over top of my body. This stuff all belongs to Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if I hear a thought that I know doesn't come from God, this is what I need to learn how to do. You need to learn how to talk back to the devil and say to him, you're trespassing. You're in the wrong territory. Get out, because I'm not going your direction. You put up a wall of protection around your mind. How do you do that? You learn God's law, God's principles, God's wisdom, and God's will. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you may want to go back to last week. The Bible says that there's nothing, there's nothing we should be thinking of other than what things are good. The Bible says whatsoever is good, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is noble. We're to think on these things. And there's nothing more good, pure, noble than Jesus. So my encouragement to all of you is to fix your eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. So what does that mean? 
For some of you at the beginning of the year, I know you've got all your resolutions. I'm off coffee right now. <laughs> Feeling pretty good. It's okay. But maybe you need to look at your spiritual life. Maybe God's calling you today to prioritize and come back to a quiet time with Jesus. For some of you, it's learning to pause and breathe the name of God when anxiety is wrapping itself around you. For some of you, it's getting into community so that when you fall down, others can pick you up. For others, it's, it's serving intentionally so that your life's not all just about you, but it's about the people that God wants you to touch with his love and passion. So there's all kinds of questions. I've been asking myself questions all week. Here's my question to you. What's God saying to you this morning? If your ears are open, what did God just say to you about your life? Did he touch on an area of your life that you need to confess and repent? Then, then do that. Did he remind you of a time when your passion was pure and your calling was clear? Then return to that. Did you hear a warning in here about an area of your life that's become an idol? Well, realize the gravity of choosing that idol over Jesus and then return and repent. If I was at all successful today, I hope you heard a call to refocus and reset. And isn't it beautiful and gracious of God to give us that opportunity? So today as we bring this in for a landing and close in prayer, I want to give you just a little bit of quiet time, just a few minutes, a few seconds. For you to think, God, what were you saying to me today? That he who has ears hear what the Spirit says to all of the churches. Let's pray together in silence for a few moments. speak to us Father would you speak to us Holy Spirit speak to us now God I thank you that you are the same yesterday today and forever God, I thank you that we can live in the sacredness of this moment, that we can have a perspective on our past that doesn't allow us to get stuck there. And God, I thank you that there is an amazing future in front of us when we know you. So God, over the next weeks, as we focus in on past, present, and future, we invite you to come and do your good work in us. But Lord, can we start here? God, whatever we need to do to remember, jog our memory. 
Whatever repentance you need from us, God, may we offer it freely today. God, would we return to you, the God we love, with no compromise. Lord, may we reject what needs to be rejected in our lives this week, and may we be renewed because of this spiritual reset today. We thank you that you are gracious to us and truthful. Lord, may we uh, walk worthy of the name by which we have been called in this coming week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to introduce something next week uh, that I've never done before. Every once in a while, someone will ask me, Grant, have you ever written anything? I, I preach and talk, I talk a lot, but I've done a few, some, some writing projects here and there, but one of them is actually going to show up next week. So uh, together in a partnership with a group called Jesus.net, we created a 21-day devotional, a 21-day audio guide. And if you don't know what an audio guide is, it's you subscribe to this um, devotional, email shows up in your box, you click on it, you put your AirPods in, and you listen to my voice for about 7 to 10 minutes. And I talk you through a devotional and give you some time to have a, a, a greater conversation with Jesus without me interrupting. We're going to roll those out next week. Would love to have you have access to it. I hope it'll be something that will be beneficial to you. We've tried as best we can to put a lot of time and energy into this series because I don't know about you, but I think the whole world needs a reset. And I think it needs to start with God's people. So I look forward to walking this journey with you. Believe me, I've got things I need to work on in my past, present, and future as well. We're just going to do it together as a family. Thank you for coming today. God bless you. Uh, we have a ministry team that stands up here at the front after every weekend service, and they minister to people. If you have something, you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray with you, no matter what it is. Just know that we are fully and completely available. And by the way, Pastor Brian's right over there, and so if you need a hug, that's the direction you're going to go. God bless you guys. Have a great year. Happy New Year.